Imagine a place where students use media, creativity, communication, and critical thinking to make stories come to life. A place where authentic audiences are enlightened by the kids who live there. Hawk Media Productions at Kealakehe Intermediate School, located in Kona, Hawaii, is an example of that place where students strive daily for the summit. From school broadcasts, Hikino stories, community spotlights, and now podcasts, Hawk Media Productions hopes to inspire other schools to get involved in meaningful learning in the community and the world. Believe it or not, all schools have the students, teachers, and community partners to be the spark for what school could be in Hawaii. You know, you should be ingrained in what you're learning and don't be in the classroom. Let's go places. Let's go, you know, out in the field and interview people and talk to people. And so that kind of started to change. That I care about um, their passions and their interests that I want to spark their curiosity. And uh, I want to empower them to find out whatever it is that they, what impacts they feel they can make um, on this world. So simply a teacher leader is not a boss. Uh, it's not, a, they're not a supervisor um, peer. And they invite others on journeys, really make real devices and real things that would make a difference in the world. You are listening to the What School Could Be in Hawaii podcast. Here's your host, Josh Rapun. Hey everybody, this is the What School Could Be in Hawaii podcast. I'm your host, Josh Rapun. We're here today with Trish Morgan from Stevenson Intermediate School here on Oahu. Trish, welcome to the program. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So Trish, we, we normally do this sort of bio thing at the beginning of every episode, but I'm going to break out of that a little bit here at the start. Um, and I want to want to have fun with your resume because um, <laughs> your resume is a pretty awesome resume. Um, so because we're talking so much about assessments these days and about different approaches to assessments... And we're also talking about profiles of graduates. We're talking about mastery and mastery transcripts and all kinds of things that are represent breakouts from traditional GPAs, the SAT score, the transcript, and that sort of thing. So I was very struck in preparing for this moment um, with the materials that you sent to me, and including your resume, that you start your resume with what you call, quote unquote, a qualifications profile. And I thought, wow, that's a pretty cool way to start a resume. So tell me, Trish, who are you? What can you do? And what do you know? <laughs> um, I'm Trish Morgan. I am a teacher. I'm a STEM teacher and also an algebra teacher. Um, I'm the science department head. I have leadership roles in a school. Um, I did not start out that way. I started out just as a regular math teacher in a school, um, had awesome people around me who molded me into what I am today. Um, I was just a young, young teacher. I started out at 22 years old when I, when I began. And um, it wasn't until I came to Hawaii where I've always been pretty creative. And I, I love anything that's fun for the kids because of the fact that I, I struggled in school and I was a middle of the road kid, but I was just never connected to what I was doing. Right. And I wanted to change that. And, and so I think that, you know, through my journey as an educator, um, 
what changed me most was when I came to Stevenson and then I got to actually apply all those, the creative skills that I had through STEM. Um, that's what pushes me even mm-hmm. now today. And that's who you are. Yes. What can you do? What can I do? I, I can do many, many things I've come to find out because, um, you know, I, I'm very techie all of a sudden. I didn't yeah. start out that way. Um, when I was in high school and going back, um, I became really good friends with my typing teacher because I was scared to death of who, the typing test. Who becomes friends with their typing teacher? I've never I was so known scared anybody in my because life. I was, I was not good at typing and they would cover your hands. So I became really good friends with him so that he wouldn't cover my hands and that I could get a good grade because I was just not a techie wow. person, but I have learned that YouTube is amazing. You can learn just about anything on YouTube. And because of that, now I am more techie. And now we can do many things that actually um, have been changing lives of others around us. Wow. My typing teacher, um, I guess I shouldn't say her name, um, was a character right out of a Halloween movie. Um, she, the, the, truly the scariest person I've ever been with in a classroom. <laughs> um, and, um, and yet still, I learned how to type. Um, so that's who you are and that's what you can do. What do you, what do you know? You, Trish Morgan, what do you know? What do I know? Yeah. I think actually you just answered that question. Yeah, I think I did. Through YouTube. Through YouTube. I think the answer (laughs) to the question of what do you know now is I'm holding it in my hand. Yeah. My phone. I can actually know anything that needs to be known. Mm -hmm. Is that a, is that a thought for you now as you're working with kids is that they're walking around, with devices on their beings that give them almost unlimited access to knowledge. Absolutely. And I mean, how does how does that play out? A, a lot of thing. A lot of people see technology as kind of a hindrance, but honestly, I mean that's one of the best tools that the kids have, and I realize that. And I want to have. I want to show the kids how they can use it in a positive way. Right. And that for me as an educator is you know, you guys are so lucky to have these devices. Yeah, we need to teach you how to use it correctly um, and for for positive things. But in my program at, at Stevenson with our STEM program, they can use technology to literally transform a life of someone else, maybe someone with a disability or um, a kapuna. Right. And they can make advances for them that will change their lives. Just even small tasks that are difficult for them on a daily basis, they can create assistive technology devices that will help them. We're going to get into those specific examples (laughs) of ways that your kids are impacting lives in a little bit. Um, Trish, on your resume, you list five notable accomplishments. Those are bullets on your resume. Um, What are the top two notable accomplishments of your life? So far, um, of my life. Well, it's your resume, so I'm assuming it's your <laughs> it's your life. Um, you know, your professional life. My profe. Okay, there we go. Sorry, that, so, got, that got very broad. All of a sudden, yes, that did. Yeah. So, professional life. I would say um, the things that we've done with again, like assistive technology, mm-hmm. um, and then also just the school connectedness mm-hmm. that we've provided through the classroom for the kids. What is school connectedness? um, Just understanding the student's voice, bringing the student voice, and then helping them explore their passions. Right. 
And so you also bullet 10 relevant experiences since 2013, mm-hmm. uh, 2013 to the present, 10 relevant experiences. Um, what are a couple really important experiences, relevant experiences between 2013 when you first came to Stevenson, right? And today? Um, okay. So one of the biggest experiences that really set everything off was, um, I was presenting at a conference and someone came up to me and he said, Hey, you know, I I appreciate everything you guys are doing in the STEM field. Um, I have a friend who's also, he's, she's an alumni of your school and, um, she's a quadruple prosthetist and she needs a, a prosthetic. And we've been searching everywhere to find someone who can 3D print something for her. Wow. And we have been unsuccessful. Would you be only willing to give a shot? And so I said, yeah, we can. I mean, that sounds really exciting. Let's do it, you know. But um, truth is, I didn't even have a 3D printer. So <laughs> we we had her come to the school. And I mentioned it to three students. They're like my children, you know, really close to and And they were so excited about it. They said, yeah, let's try it. Let's try it. So wow. she comes down to the school. We meet her. Um, she had necrotizing fasciitis. And so she had lost her... Um, right arm up right. to about the forearm, um, missing four, the fingertips on the left hand, and then also half of both of her feet. So, I mean, just building based on empathy. Um, I, I can't even tell you the maturity that my kids had. When we went in and we met her, we, uh, it was tough. Like we, yeah. we felt for her, like we really wanted to help her. She showed us two prosthetics that she had. She had, um, two professionally made prosthetics. They were both about 12 to $15,000 each, but she was frustrated and you could see the frustration because I mean, she's like an ex, I, I think prosecutor, but at least, you know, a lawyer. And she, uh, had a very successful career and here she is struggling and she's got these two prosthetics. One of them was in the shape at the end with like an okay sign. So when she was able to move her arm, then she could pick things up with like an okay fingertip. The other was, um, with like a hook. And so she wanted something that was more natural looking Mm. and she wanted more movement. And so that's what we were set out to do. Your team swung into action. Yeah. So we we wanted to build something for her based on her needs so that she got exactly what she wanted. So we went to work. First two weeks, nothing was done. I was scared. I, we gave her hope, you know. And one of my students, finally after two weeks, and, and you know, as a teacher, what are you doing? Where's your research? What are you, where are you coming up with? Right. And he was like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. And he's a smart kid. Um, and finally he came in, he sat down at my desk and he goes, I got it. And he sat there all day. What did he get? And he was cranking out the design and custom built it exactly how she needed, tailored to her. Um, there were things that he could do that I couldn't do and there were vice versa. And so we were able to, within a month and a half fashion, uh, 
prosthetic arm for her um, that fully functioned. We even gave it like a a French manicure because she's a classy lady. So we just wanted to give her something that was supernatural. And it was, it was amazing because she was actually able to not only pick things up, which was through elbow action, but she was able to throw for the first time in about a year since she had, she could throw something. She was able to pick something up and throw from Trish, the release. that's crazy business. It's amazing. I cannot even believe, just looking back, I don't know how we were able to get it done, but um, okay, the, so I have, the kids so I, are amazing. So I have kid. I have, I have a question about what, what's the, can you give me the first name of the kid who came up with the, the like, I got it? Yeah, it was mainly Charlie. Charlie, yeah. So Charlie, like, what happened with Charlie? Like, what, what was that moment where it just, where the light bulb went on? Do you know? You know... We had been researching a whole bunch of designs and, you know, we had a whole bunch of failed prints um, and then just like different, you know, the Enable community we looked out there and we were trying to find things. And then there was all these coding issues that we had and it was tough. Like things weren't making sense to us because we're new to this, you know, Mm -hmm. we, we weren't professional uh, 3d printers and we hadn't worked with the software and we we're, we we're looking at YouTube, you know, cause that's, that's my savior at the moment. So we we're looking at that, but it was, it was all over the board. You know, there's all these different softwares like SketchUp and you got Tinkercad and all these different things that we're trying to piece everything together. We didn't really know what we were doing. We kept failing, but we were failing forward. We kept on making little advancements. Right. So Iteration. it was frustrating, but we weren't going to give up because we knew that she, we gave her hope. We wanted to do something wow. for her. Once you give somebody hope, you can't give up on that. Hope you cannot. That you've given. Wow. <laughs> that's just, that's extraordinary. Um, Trish and everybody out there in Radio Land, stay with us. We're going to take a quick break and we're going to come back and talk about some other crazy things that have happened in your imaginarium up there at Stevenson Intermediate. <laughs> we'll be right back. Hi, I'm Tyler Kern from MarketScale. We're excited at the arrival of a new podcast series out of Hawaii titled, What School Could Be in Hawaii. MarketScale is thrilled to be partnering with Josh Rapoon on this project and can't wait to hear the insight and thought leadership he brings to EdTech. If you're enjoying this podcast, you can hear it and others over at marketscale.com. You click on industries at the top of the page and then scroll down to EdTech. Hope to see you there. Hey, everybody, we're back. This is the What School Could Be in Hawaii podcast, and we're here with Trish Morgan from Stevenson Intermediate here on Oahu. Uh, Trish, I want to dig a little bit deeper into some of the wild and crazy things that have happened um, uh, under your your coaching, your mentoring, your guiding um, up there at Stevenson. So um, you sent me some biographic material, a bunch of links. Um, some of them were two news stories. Um, one of them was actually about the story that you just described where you guys built the prosthetic arm for a client. Um, you sent me another link to a KITV4 story here um, where you had students working with um, hearing-impaired individuals and hearing-impaired students to, de- to, to develop coding or to code for them. So you can, can you describe that project for us? Totally. I'm so excited about this. This is, <laughs> this is brand new for us. Yeah. So, um, over at Hawaii school for deaf and the blind, Tom Graham, 
awesome guy. Love him. So he uh, is trying to get a lot of computer science going at the school. And I've seen him at a lot of different conferences and stuff. And I was talking to him over the summer and he came to one of my workshops that I did on Arduino, which is um, coding with electronics, right? So programming electronic devices. And I said, hey, wait, I got an idea. How about instead of you having to go learn all this, how about you bring your kids over? And then my students, once they've learned the unit, they can teach yours. Wow. So we buddied up. So I wrote a different grant. Uh, thankfully, we got $2,000 from Voya. So thank you, Voya. And um, we started this past Monday. My students are um, mentoring the, the high school students there. So the first phase of the project is just teaching them simultaneously, um, electronics and also programming. So they're, they're learning both of those components and they are creating different devices. And then the second phase of the project will be to collaborate on actual assistive technology projects for the deaf and the blind. Wow. And that's something I'm really excited about because, um, last year, one of our students uh, for their science fair project, she used Arduino, and we were able to develop a sensor for a visually impaired student at our school. Right. And uh, she's actually losing more and more of her vision where eventually she will be blind. And we have another volunteer at our, our school with the same situation. So we want to take care of them and, and um, help them any way that we can so we can make their lives better. So we've taken her project and already we've made advancements. So before, when you walk um, and there's there's a object in the way, it will just go beep, 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 right? So right. it will beep, but um, now we've actually got it so there's a proximity involved. So just like a backup sensor in the car, it beeps progressively louder the closer you get to an object. So mm, that's right. one of the advances that we've made. Now, the other part we're working on is that helps with objects, but it doesn't sense humans. So we are adding in that component right now. So we have all the students doing research. We're getting very, very close. And once we have that, then we got both ends covered. So when, when they walk down the hallway or anywhere, um, that's like your backup buddy. It's like, you know, it's got your back. We call it, our, the project is called actually Got Your Six. So it's called Got Your Six device. And so when they walk anywhere, you can attach it to um, something or you can carry it mm -hmm. or we even have it on a fanny pack. So it's, it's up to the user and how they want to wear it, whatever they're comfortable with. But um, the development that we want by the end of the year is so that when they walk they they have that comfort of knowing you know wow. something's in their way whether so, it's a human or an object so six meaning six cents got that, your six got like your military six? term like i got your back oh, got it, got it. Understood. yeah yeah Understood. okay i was thinking six cents because you no. all of <laughs> no. the senses are in play but really that's actually what what's happening is that your yeah. kids are making it possible to have all of the senses come into play yeah. to help you as you're navigating through your day. Yeah. You sent me a, a video clip, again, a news story mm -hmm. um, that was on Hawaii News Now, I believe, um, about that moment when you first introduced the device at, in its first iteration mm -hmm. to the young woman whose sight is progressively deteriorating. I know it's hard sometimes to describe moments like that, but what was that moment like when you guys were all together um, and that you gave that device to her and she began to use it for the first time? 
proud of my students. Wow, I can imagine. Um, I mean, they're they're difficult projects. It's it's based on faith, you know, that something's going to work. Right. Um, and and what I saw there in that clip was the students were all standing around, and she put it on for the first time. And it, I couldn't quite hear the audio of the kids in that moment, but what it seemed like they were doing was they were already sort of iterating in that moment, that, that yeah. they were, they, it, there was emotion in the moment because she was wearing it for the first time, but they were actually already thinking ahead. Yeah. Like, was that, is that what was going on? Absolutely. Every time, and that's the funny thing is every time the news has come, um, it's been scary because it, it's it's the fitting, <laughs> you know. Right. So we're we're just thinking in our minds, what if this doesn't work, you right. know? What and a so that you can you can yeah, see, it. oh yeah. yeah. So um, it, it's in my mind, I'm my mind's racing every time they've come because I'm thinking, what if this doesn't work, you know? This is I'm thinking of the kids. You want them to be successful, but it's not even about that. We we all know that you know all these devices that we're trying to create. Um, they're prototypes, and we're just trying to always make them better. Right. Nothing is ever going to be perfect, but we're doing what we can and right. trying to pay it forward with all the tools that we've been given right. and take it and then make someone else's life better. You sent me another clip, um, this one also from Hawaii News Now, um, KGMB, KHNL here in Hawaii. So let let Trish, let me see if I've got this right. So you got STEM students using 3D printers to create prosthetic fingers for a classmate yeah. whose fingers are were, were missing for, mm. for some reason. Mm -hmm. Like, what was that project about? So um, after we made the prosthetic arm, um, success is contagious, right? So yeah. we had students running in, and they were, they, they were my new students for the year, and they'd say, do we get to make prosthetics? And I'd say, yeah, but we got to find a client, you know? So um, I was trying to f work through different agencies and try to see, you know, um, wounded warriors wow. and, and different. And so I was trying to, to see if I could get other people in line. Um, it was difficult. I couldn't really find a client. But then a teacher at our school approached me and said, well, we have a student who was born without four fingers on his left hand. Do you think he can make fingers? I was like, who is wow, he? Send him to me, you know? So uh, we go and we meet him, and and we're not scared anymore. We're going to take anything on. So um, <laughs> at first, you know, we got this vibe like he wasn't really into it, actually. Yeah. And so I was really trying to be very sensitive to him where I thought, oh, no, I don't know if he wants this, you know. But then we backed off for about a week or two. And he was asking his teacher, are they coming? Wow. Like, are they coming? And and yeah. when she told me that, it changed my outlook on the whole project. So I told the kids that were working on the project, they're like, oh, let's go find him right now. So we did. So we go over and we find him and, um, you know, we, we got right back on the project and he's involved in the project too. So it was important to him that there are black fingers and, you know, he wanted it to function so that mm. when he moves his, his, um, his wrist, it's, it's also activated, you know? Right. Um, so it's tension strung. Right. So we've been working on that. And so he was a seventh grader at the time. So last year's big accomplishments were, um, we, we made, perfectly fit custom fingers for him. So they're perfectly wow. fit. Now from there, it's not perfect. So the, the <laughs> function of it is where we have trouble. So we want to take it and then get the, the tension string 
perfected wow. for him by the time he leaves this year. Yeah. So when we walked into the principal's office at the end of the year to show, you know, like, look what the kids did. This is awesome, you know. So it was that proud moment for them. So when they walked in and they showed him off, and then he looked at me and he goes, can I be in your class next year? And I was oh, like, wow. yes, wow. definitely. Wow. And so um, he, uh, first day of school, I, I walked in, we had a welcome um, assembly and he runs up to me like, he goes, miss, I'm not in your class. And I said, what are you talking about? They said, you could be in my class. And, and we, I even went to the registrar. It, it was set in stone. What happened? So next thing you knew, I, I guess you went and talked to admin or something. And next thing, when I had STEM later on, he's sitting in my class. I was like, oh, perfect. Nice. So for him, I mean, this could be one of the most meaningful things that he learns in school is right. he's going to be able to sit there. He can make custom fingers for himself and he knows best what he needs. Right. So he can make advancements and help other kids and other people who have the mm. same situation. Sweet he, kid. He also knows so. the heart and mind of, of cl future clients. Absolutely. As well because he's been one. So that leads me. I'm just, Trish, I'm thinking about, you know, a prosthetic arm for an alum um, that working with... Um, hearing impaired students, um, and coding and, and prosthetic fingers and, and sight navigation or sense navigation. But what, what's really striking me and was striking me while I was watching these news clips was just the subtext, sometimes not subtext, but actually quite, quite visible of compassion and kindness and empathy that's running through all of this. And we all, we all know that design thinking starts with empathy, empathy, mm -hmm. but I think my question around this is, like, how do you account for student gains in empathy and kindness and compassion? How does, how do you account for that? How do you report it out? How do you let people know if I, Josh, am in your class and, and I've made considerable gains in compassion? How do you, how do you account for that? It's, it's more than anything um, that comes through giving back to the client right. themselves. And it's just natural at that point. So anytime that they create any kind of device, um, everyone else sees it. Mm. Everyone around sees it. And, and I, like I said, that's contagious. People want to be a part of that. Um, but, I mean, when, when kids are able to do research and they are able to really understand someone else's needs right. and feel like, hey, I can make a difference in one person's life – you're making a difference in more because that spreads. Mm -hmm. So it's really the clients in some ways who are the account. Yeah. They're the ones who, did, who, who give you visible evidence or artifacts of a growing sense of compassion or kindness or yeah. empathy. It's there for them. Yeah, because wow. in the end, you, you're, that's your final grade is like, wow. you know, how well does it fit for them? Right. That's awesome, Trish. Thank you. Hey, everybody, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back in just a moment to talk to Trish a little bit more about her projects, and also we're going to dig a little bit deeper into assessments. We'll be right back. Purple Maya, our specialty is providing cultural-based programming to learn technology and computer science. We are always looking for teachers, volunteers, and schools to partner with. But our programs aren't only for Keiki. Heard of the Purple Prize? We're accepting applications now for Kamaka Inana, a design and venture ideation program for adults interested in creating solutions that positively impact the Pai Aina. It's about shaping the way Hawaii designs for the future. 
Visit us at purplemaya or purpleprize.com for more info. Also, come may join this podcast. Keep up the good work, guys. Hey everybody, we're back. This is the What School Could Be in Hawaii podcast. I'm your host, Josh Rapoon, and we're here with Trish Morgan from Stevenson Intermediate. Hey Trish, in this final segment of our episode today, um, I want to talk a little bit more about assessments because this is now becoming a, um, a priority one, um, not only in Hawaii, but across the country and even around the world. Um, so given all the projects uh, that you've done with your students and the, the way also that you wrote your resume really as kind of a, a list of accomplishments and, and a list of things that you think that you have given to your students in many ways. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I want to talk about the assessments piece. So what, what can you say with confidence your students can do? What do they know and who are they? So the biggest thing that's important to me is now that I know the importance of technology and I, can, I, I see what it can do, and the true real life um, applications that go right with that and the problem solving and how powerful that is when you combine all that, mm. um, that's a true assessment is make something real world so that, you know, it, it's not just a, a false assessment of, you know, like a, something right. When I, <laughs> I'm going to back up because when I started okay. STEM, most of what I did, I, I didn't have real tools at all. I, I mean, I was using all these cheap supplementary materials because I didn't have much of a budget. Right. And I was trying to do things that would show the kids, you know, like Newton's laws and, and have them see, you know, that like um, like crash test dummies and stuff like that where they'd see the forces on a mm. head-on collision using just like junk, you know. Right. And, and then I'd reflect and I'd think did they really see that? Like, did they really see Newton's laws in effect, you know? So Mm. that's what always hit me. So I knew that if I got real tools, real tools where they could really make real devices and real things that would make a difference in the world, that's a much better assessment. And they, they will see their impact. And, and so that's been kind of my journey and my mission is let's get these real tools into the kids' hands. Wow. So what can they do? Right. Oh, my goodness. They can do anything when they have Unbelievable. the materials They can. The let's start listing them. They can, um, they can program electronics to make open-ended devices. When you and I grew up, yeah. most kits, they did one thing, you know? You go right. buy a kit and you're all excited, does one thing. This, open-ended. Right. You know, the power's in their hand. Right. So they can, they can program. They can um, 3D print and 3D model, but not just 3D print, 3D model anything. They can use that to make an impact, as we talked about, in right. someone else's right. life, whether it's making a tool right. to help someone or if they're making a prosthetic mm. that's really going to have some kind of impact on someone's daily life. Mm. Um, what do your students know? What do they, what do they know? What do they know? They know the power of technology. Mm. They know that they can use it in order to transform lives around them. They know that, 
you know, it, even if it wasn't their own device, they know that others have made an impact on other people's lives. Right. And who are they? Who, who are, are your they? students? Very, very, I would say, conscientious, um, empathetic, and they're, they're brave kids that aren't afraid. They're not afraid to fail. Wow, brave. Rave, definitely. And they're very, they seem to me, based on the clips that I watched, very self aware yeah. of what's going on around them, which is part of the process of empathy is that you're open to all the inputs that come in. So, Trish, in the end, though, the reality is that we have to report this to other people. We have to report it to um, someone who might be hiring one of your students or someone who might be accepting your student into a private school or into college or mm -hmm. something like that. So how do we have a conversation as a community, public, private, and charter, uh, locally, nationally, globally? How do we have a conversation around figuring out how to report those kinds of things in ways that have, are different from what you and I have known in our education backgrounds, the typical transcript, the grades, the GPA, yeah. that sort of thing? I mean, we're, we're held to the standards. And it's, it's really just creating rich, meaningful experiences for the kids right. where... They are assessed on the standards, but it's also for them um, open-ended, problem-based, so that when they leave the DOE or they leave, you know, their private or charter school, um, they can use all those skills that they have learned in open-ended experiences. So that that makes them more hireable because they have all these tools and they know how to use them. Right. And it's so powerful. And I mean, just creating those assessments that prove that, right. whether it's public or not, you know? And so when they, when they have those type of assessments, those are the most meaningful right. things that they're going to learn. So Trish, at this point, you know, we're, we're telling our audience that you are the recipient of a <clears throat> massive uh, award that came from State Farm, uh, went to five educators nationally, and this was last year, right? Or the uh, year before? I think the year before. The yeah. year before in 2017. Yeah. 17, yeah. You got that. And so you, we know that you used that award, which was $100,000, right? $100,000. That you used that to help build a, a, what you called an Imaginarium. Which yeah, was a, a, this know, Imaginarium project. So yeah. really actually spun into not just one room, but we started to outgrow ourselves. So um, we were fortunate to get two rooms. <laughs> and then at right. that point, actually, the whole vision and mission changed a little bit because not only did we have this nice makerspace, um, we also now have an innovation lab. And right. the two rooms are used for two completely separate things. So in the makerspace, so a lot of people are, are familiar with makerspace, but that's for, you know, the kind of the things that we grew up with, kind of more home ec type of stuff. You know, there's right. sewing machines in there, the T-shirt the presses, vinyl cutters, power tools. Yeah. Um, but also something that was important to me is um, DJing because, you know, middle school kids, especially, they love their music. So, you know, it's just giving them those just lifelong skills that they can carry on with them. Right. Then on the innovation lab side, uh, we have all our brand new IMAX. We got um, green screen tech. We have uh, DSLR cameras, and we have the all just the different coding um, mm. electronic kits like Arduino, and then all the 3D printers. And the whole um, 
the reason that we made that room is we want to stay cutting edge for the kids, for the sake of the kids, right. just keep them on the cutting edge. So again, it puts them on the forefront when, when they go to, uh, get a job down the road, you know, they have all these skills that maybe other people don't have. So, so Trish, while I was going through all of this, on the one hand, I was just completely inspired both by your award um, and by the things that you've done with it. I mean, who who's not going to jump up out of their chair and cheer when we're talking <laughs> about a prosthetic device for an alum of your school and or, or someone being able to use their fingers for the first time? But on the other hand, Trish, I, I wanted to bang my head on the table because <laughs> it's like you got the 100000 and what about all the kids out there? And I, I don't mean it I to know. sound le- that you know what you know you know where I'm going oh, with I, this, I, right? I totally understand. So it's like Equity. how Trish, how do we get to a point where every kid everywhere gets an opportunity to experience what your kids are experiencing? And and I think that's why we're we're trying to reach out to other schools like Hawaii mm. School for the Deaf and the Blind because um, we can partnerships and we can we can share with each other. You know, like. If, if I can take a burden off your back and teach, have my kids teach your kids something, right. you know, so you don't have to go and, and learn it yourself and you can be the learner. Right. I mean, that's just using your resources wisely right there, you know, right. and, and not only that, but for my students, when you're doing the talking, you're doing the most learning. So right. that's, that's a good experience for them. So I think that just the partnerships in general, bringing more community in to help us. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but it goes both ways, but we also got to take care of them. Right. I think one of the things that really knocks me out here is that typically when we think about these public-private partnerships or we think about situations like this, it's typically a really well-endowed private school that's got all those kinds of resources. <laughs> and they may <laughs> offer those resources to public schools, but you're a public middle school yeah. and you've, you've got an endowment now in a way. And it's a multifaceted endowment because it's based on hope for people in the community and the things that you can do. And so here's an opportunity for you to actually pay that out into the community as a public school. And that to me is a knockout idea. Yeah, no, and actually that's, that's the first thing I instill in the kids. I say, look, like they've got to know this. We have all these tools and, you know, it took a lot of effort to get these tools, but we're we're going to use them in ways that will pay it forward um, and take care of others in the community. But also, you know, like you have to realize not everyone has this, you know? Right. So I, yeah, I understand. Yeah. Um, Trish, (laughs) this, this time has gone by really fast and I still have a number of things I want to ask you. So we'll do this relatively quickly. These will, these will be brief. Um, I know that this is an impossible question to deal with in a brief way, but um, I want to talk briefly about artificial intelligence. Mm. Um, can you say a word to our ed- to our educators and education leaders who are listening, and even to our business leaders and the public listening to this podcast? Like, what's AI to education now? AI to education. You know, again, and my whole approach is maybe different, but um, thinking of like biomedical and the advances that we can can um, make for others is unbelievable. I got a student right now. We're uh, working on an AI device that will scan moles and different things on your body to see if you have like melanoma based on the training of different pictures. What? So the advances that that offers, it's unbelievable. I mean, like if we can make it happen, we're, we're working on it, but I, I feel like we're close. 
Um, but again, like every, every approach that we have with the, with the kids, it's, it's, let's give back to other people. Right. You know, right. Um, I also want to just talk very briefly about business relationships. And so mm-hmm. can you say a word to our listeners, especially educators who are interested in doing the kinds of things that you're doing about what, uh, how do you go about building a relationship with people in the business community? Um, you know, we have a strong partnership with UH, the pre-STEM Academy. Right. And they've been instrumental. Yeah. So mm-hmm. they've been instrumental to us because, I mean, they, they've given us so many different resources. Um, I think it's so powerful for the kids when we bring in professionals from right. the business community and then, you know, like things that they may not have ever been exposed to, mm. it could be that one presenter that changes their life and they decide, you know, I want to be a fireman or I want to um, go into construction. You know, it, those are the experiences the kids need the most. Right. So building partnerships with your local community is, that's, it's unbelievable. Right. You know, but also, um, like I said before, it, it goes both ways. We can't just take, we got to give back to. Right. So if there's people in the community that see, Hey, we got these tools right. and we can help you. Like we want to help you. Right. Like, come find us. That's a good challenge for us. Right. I think a, a great example, and I'll do a little horn tooting here is the partnership mm-hmm. that this podcast series has developed with Hawk Media Productions at Kealakehe Middle School and with their director, Matthew Williams. Um, and we have mm-hmm. members of that team right here in the recording room with us. They do all the post-production editing for this podcast, um, which is a real-world experience for them. And I, I hate even using the word real world. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. It's like it's a partnership. Stop yes. talking about the real world as if it's something else, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's, it's real right now. Just our vocabulary. Right. It's all about the vocabulary. So Trish, here at the very end, I'd like to ask guests um, on every episode if they could describe for us what they think, what you think school could be. I think back just really to my own experience as a kid. I wasn't really connected and I want to change that. I want to make sure that, you know, school's a little more fun for the kids. And what would make it more fun is is these types of experiences where they feel like they are successful, even if it's a small success, that that will drive them to want to do more. Right. Um, developing those business partnerships and bringing in community so that you know they, they can see what's out there, so that they have some kind of goal or, you know, just, they know what they want to do. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I just Mm -hmm. thought business maybe, and that changed. Now I'm an educator, you know, but I think the, the earlier that they can see and get some kind of motivation behind them of what they want to do with their life, then that opens the door for like earlier internships and more opportunities for them. Wow. That's awesome. Trish Morgan, extraordinary teacher at (laughs) Stevenson Intermediate. It's been a real pleasure having you on the show today. Thank you so much. Thank you. Well, can you believe it? Season one, semester one of the What School Could Be in Hawaii podcast has officially come to an end. We hope you've been inspired and challenged. We hope you are feeling reflective about what school could be here in Hawaii and beyond. We will be taking a short break. Not to worry, though. Can't wait for all of you to check back in early 2020 for season one, semester two. We have an amazing lineup of school leaders and educators from across our state. 
Just be sure to stay updated on Twitter at MLTS in Hawaii so you don't miss out on our first semester two episodes, starting Monday, February 3rd. Over the holidays, your host, Josh Rapoon, will be posting special editions of our On the Road series. Stay tuned! Find the What School Could Be in Hawaii podcast in Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher, as well as at MLTSinHawaii.com. Join the ongoing conversation across social media. Look for most likely to succeed in Hawaii on Facebook, at MLTS in Hawaii on Instagram, and at MLTS in Hawaii on Twitter. Tag your posts with hashtag what school could be, hashtag deeper learning, hashtag edchat, and hashtag education. Our next interviews will be recorded on Saturday, January 25th, starting at 9 a.m. Hawaii time. You can join us in the studio through the magic of Facebook Live. Find us at the most likely to succeed in Hawaii Facebook page. We want to hear from you. Send your comments, questions, and feedback to mltsinhawaii at gmail.com or direct message us on Twitter at mltsinhawaii. Video of each interview will also be available on demand on YouTube. Look for What School Could Be in Hawaii playlist on our Most Likely to Succeed in Hawaii channel. If you love this podcast series, we would really appreciate a rating and review in Apple Podcasts. It's the best way to help us reach a wider audience of innovative educators. And please feel free to share this series with colleagues, friends, and family. Your host is Josh Rapoon. Our technical producer and podcast consultant is Ryan Ozawa. Post-production is by Hawk Media Productions, the digital media program at Kealakehe Intermediate School. Your Season 1, Semester 1 episode editors have been May Kanada, Marlo Nutrera, AJ Rosario, and Bailey Beertaller. Our post-production student manager is May Kanada, under the guidance of Matthew Williams. Learn more at hawkmediaproductions.com. Special thanks to photo and video contributor for our October episodes, Matthew Tom, a media and English teacher at Stevenson's Intermediate School. And a huge shout out to Ted Dintersmith, author of the book, What School Could Be, an education change agent. Now, off to your next education adventure. Class dismissed. (laughs) 